Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Well, we'll open our Bibles tonight to the 33rd chapter of the book of Genesis, Genesis 33 tonight. Are you glad you're saved? Now we've looked at Jacob. I saw him, we saw him the first night. His challenge, will you believe God? Jacob living under two promises. The Abrahamic covenant as well as the promise that was made to Rebekah concerning him being greater than the older brother Esau. We saw him on the run, how he got ahead of God. Uh, chose to try to help God and scheme. We saw how that was the opposite of faith. How that he ended up there, of course, laid down, saw his ladder. And we talked about the vow that he made and the if-then circumstances of that vow, the trip down to Laban's house. Then on last night, we saw Jacob and his uh, conflict. And we talked about the question of will you submit to God? Boy, we had a wrestling match, amen. This young man told me that he was ready for me tonight. He'd been watching Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper all day long, amen. He got all, he's going to come off a top rope on me. Amen. Uh, we talked about that wrestling match. Will you submit to God? That was the question. Will you submit to God? And... We saw how that God had touched Jacob, crippled him, and how that he fell down and became a clinging Jacob. Begged God for help. Now, I want us to look tonight at uh, the next portion of this from Genesis 33. And I want to talk to you a little tonight on this thought. We'll look tonight at Jacob's course. Jacob's course, here's our question for tonight. Will you follow God? Will you follow God? I want to make a statement, maybe get a couple amens before I even read my scripture. What happens inside these four walls of this building does no good if, we don't, if it doesn't affect what happens on the outside of the four walls of this building. There is a God that is worth following. I want to say this before I even get started tonight. I believe that when you get saved, there is nothing that can change your positional relationship with Christ. I'm saved, and I'll be saved a million years from now. And as Brother Zeb McDerris used to say, if there was a hundred hells and a hundred devils in every hell, they still wouldn't be enough to take me there because I'm saved. Yes. By the marvelous grace of God, there's not a thing the devil can do about that. But I tell you what we can do. We can affect our practical walk with him. And the amount that we choose to follow him day by day. And so if I could give you an encouraging word tonight, it would be that if you have gained anything from these nights of meeting, that you would take it outside the walls of this church that you would allow it to make a difference in you at work. 
that you would allow it to make a difference in you at school. That you would be a different person. One that considers God, believes God, submits to God, and as we'll see tonight, one who follows God. Oh, if there's one mistake that I see people make, it's that they will get under conviction wrestling with God. They'll commit to God, and I really believe they mean it while they're in the altar. But then when they get out, they face the nasty now and now and the troubles of this world and the heartaches of this world and the things that would take their minds from off of Christ. And before you know it, they're no better off than they were when they first prayed. Let me say to you tonight, there is a Christ that's worth following. Now, they wrestled with, Jacob wrestled with the Lord. And the result of what happened in Jacob's life was a changed name. God said, no more Jacob. Y'all remember? No more Jacob. Changed his name. Brother Randy Baines, he preaches a lot in India, and he was telling me that he was preaching there, and some 36 got saved in the meeting. They were going down to have a baptizing. They went down to have the baptizing, and an hour before, the pastor looks at Brother Randy and says, I hope you got some names ready. He said, why names? He said, because all, all of these Indian people, they carry Hindu names. And they don't want to carry Hindu names after their baptism. So he said, it's our job when we baptize them, bring them up. The preacher renames them. He said, you're going to be expected to give 36 new names. So he said, there's a lot of people running around in that particular village by the name of John and Paul and Stephen. Amen. He got a new name, Jacob did. Israel, a prince with God. Now, how many of you should say amen right here? That's a big deal when God gives you a new name. Oh, boy. God renames you. That's a great big deal. Would you agree with me on that? So, we're fixing to read Genesis 33. We're going to start off now, and I'm just sure that we're going to see that it says, And Israel. Are you ready? We're going to start. We're going to start off. I'm excited to see it. Verse 1. And is well, wait a minute. And Jacob. Uh-oh. We got a problem. We got a problem. Now, let me say this. Make an announcement. God doesn't put anything in the King James Bible just to take up space. <laughs> Every word is put in there and it has a meaning. God had changed Jacob's name to Israel. So why in verse 1 doesn't it say, and Israel? No, it says, and Jacob. And Jacob. Well, seems to me like that maybe we have another failure. Let's see what it says. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came. And with him four hundred men. And he divided the children of Leah and under Rachel and under the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost and Leah and her children after. And Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brethren. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. 
And he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, Who are those with thee? And he said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Then the handmaidens came near, they and their children, and they bowed themselves. And Leah also with her children came near and bowed themselves. And after came Joseph near and Rachel, and they bowed themselves. And he said, What meanest thou by all this drove which I met? And he said, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. Hmm. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that that thou hast unto thyself. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to be at the Amazing Grace Baptist Church. Lord, these people have been so wonderful to me these days. God, I've loved being here and I hope I get to come back someday. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name as we offer the portion of Scripture that you've assigned us to tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd just do a work in our midst. God, I feel a little different tonight. I feel like you're really wanting to do something for somebody. God, don't let me mess it up. Bless us and help us as only you can. And we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want us to look tonight as we consider uh, this thought on Jacob and his course. Will you follow God? Now I pointed out that Jacob uh, had a name change, but here in these verses he reverts right back, right back to what he was. He just had a monumental, earth-shaking, life-changing event with God, and yet we find him reverting back. Why? Why did he get back? Why didn't he move forward and do what God had told him to do? And why didn't he become the person that God had changed him into? That's a head scratcher. Well, I believe it answers it right here in your King James Bible. I want us to look at a few things that I believe that held Jacob back. And I'm going to say this to you tonight, church. These same things will hold you back after this meeting if you're not careful. And so I want to warn you that you can decide to go forward and follow God and please Him and believe Him and submit to Him or you can be tomorrow or next week or next Sunday, whenever the case may be, you can be no better off than you were when this thing started and if that's the case, then we would have been better off not to even had this meeting if we're not going to be any better off. My prayer for you is that you would be changed not by what Bradley has said, but by what God has done in your heart. We still have a God in heaven that's working in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. And boy, when God does a work in your heart, it ought to be earth-changing. It ought to be life-changing. It ought to make a difference in the way you proceed. But something has held Jacob up. Let's see what it is tonight. Maybe we can learn from it and it won't hold us up. Number one, note with me, if you will, that there is some bad influences on Jacob. The first bad influence that we'll find in Jacob's life is that Jacob was influenced by his eyes. Look what the Bible said. And Jacob, 
lifted up his eyes and looked. Now let me say to you here in these verses, his looking led to doubting. Now can I say this about a child of God? It's very often that what we see with the physical eye messes up what we're doing spiritually. Just a few chapters earlier than this, Lot looked over the well-watered plains of Sodom. His looking caused him to go in the wrong direction. And so we see that a lot of times our looking, can I tell you this, uh, the Bible tells us no less than four times that the just shall live by faith. Uh, and if, we, if we're going to live for God, it has to be a life that is beyond the eyesight. Uh, you've got to quit fixating on what you see and start fixating on what God has said. I make a statement right here. You cannot believe what you see. It's one of the hardest yet most fundamental truths that we can ever express to Christians. You cannot believe what you say. See, because we've always been told, seeing is believing, right? Seeing is believing. We've been told that all of our lives. Well, i seen it, so I believed it. How many of you would agree when it comes to a spiritual realm, you cannot trust what you see with your physical eyes because God doesn't operate in this realm. God operates beyond this realm. And God's people should have a, a spiritual eyesight that is set on heaven and not a lot of things of this world. You can't trust what your eyes see. Let me give you an example. When I think about Mary and Joseph, had Joseph simply trusted what his eyes had saw, he never would have stayed with Mary because his eyes saw a young teenage girl that was pregnant. That's what his eyes saw. But he couldn't go on what his eyes saw. He had to go on what his heart knew and what he'd heard. See, the angel came to him and spoke to, through his ears to his heart. Faith comes how? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How is it that Eve got in trouble in the garden. She saw that the uh, fruit was uh, good for food uh, and she disregarded what God had said, what had entered in through her ears. Uh, she disregarded that and instead depended upon what her eyes saw uh, and that got us all in trouble. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, it's not about what our eyes see. Uh, what's important about it is what God has said uh, and what has entered into our ears. That's where faith comes from. And we can't walk by sight. We must walk by faith. The very first problem that Jacob had was he started walking by sight again. Now, the trouble with walking by sight is that a man will always have to have things proven to him by sight. He becomes kind of like Judas. When Mary broke that box and began to anoint the Lord, he drug out the calculator he was going on what he saw. Mary at, 
Jesus' feet. She was in another realm. She was operating on faith. She took a whole year's wage, probably had saved her entire life to have it, broke it, put it on the Lord's feet. Why? Because she was acting out of a heart of faith. She wasn't calculating in man's calculations anymore. She wasn't going on what she saw. And there's a lot in that message. But just let me simply say this. The heart of faith is the heart that pleases God. Oh, let me mention this. Faith isn't just blindly stepping out in spite of, my friend, in spite of evidence. That is superstition. That's why you keep a rabbit foot in your pocket. <laughs> y'all, some of y'all got rabbit's feet in your pocket. Up my way, they carry buckeyes in their pocket. That's superstitious. That is, that is believing in something in spite of evidence. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is believing that God will in spite of the conditions. Oh my. That means what your physical eyes are telling your brain is one thing, but what you're saying in your heart is something totally different. God is saying believe. God is saying trust. The mind's saying you can't believe it. The eyes are saying don't trust it. But somewhere down deep inside of your heart, there's something that's saying just believe God, distrust God, don't walk by sight, walk by faith. It's going to be all right. You've got to believe it. It may not add up, but it will work out. Back last year, I, Brother Jonathan mentioned I worked for the sheriff and I'd, I'd made a career out of it. It's all I ever wanted to be. My daddy's got a video of me when I'm about nine years old down there at the intersection of my driveway and the yard directing imaginary traffic. <laughs> for hours at a time. I'd found me a little old campaign hat, had my campaign hat on, big old holster with a fake gun in it. Directing all I ever wanted to be. All I ever wanted to be was policeman. All I ever thought about my whole life, be a policeman. Man, God finally allowed me to do that, and I, I got me a career going, and I was, I was working my way up the ladder, you know. Lieutenant had my eyes set on chief deputy. Oh, I like the way that sounded. Because when I walked in the roof, room, I wanted people to go, hey, chief. I just thought, don't that sound cool? Hey, hey chief. <laughs> How's one good. I'd have had me a name tag on my said chief on my. They could have said, "Hey, chief." So I was working on that, climbing the ladder, trying to get, going to all the classes, jumping through all the hoops, doing everything that I thought I ought to do. And in a youth meeting, how do youth meeting? That ain't even supposed to be for me. But in a youth meeting, I got under conviction about going into the ministry full time. I mentioned it to Rachel. She said, are you crazy? We can't pay our bills now. I said, I know, but I feel like God wants to do it. Boy, I got a good wife. She said, honey, if that's what you're telling me, if it's the Lord doing it, then we better do it or it won't work out. Boy, I got under conviction. I'm just trying to tell you a little tale about walking by faith. I got under conviction so bad about that I couldn't hardly stand it. I just was sick at my stomach. Finally, one day I called the sheriff and I said, I need, you, I need you to meet with me. I met with him, sat down across the desk and told him that I was going to be leaving. I'd work another month and I was going to be leaving. He said, you can't leave. I won't let you leave. So I ain't going to let it happen. I said, well, I, gonna I got news for you. We've got an election coming up and I am your Jonah. If I stay on board the ship, we're going to lose the election. 
He said, when is your resignation date? Let me put this on the piece of paper here. No, he was good to me, loved on me, helped me, still helping me. But what I'm simply saying is this, I ain't missed a meal. I ain't wanted for anything. The power's still on my house, at least it was when I left, amen. I've still got tires on my vehicles, able to put gas in my truck to come up. Are you know what I'm saying? I'm not back. A lot of people say, well, I give up so much, give up that job, and, and I give up my income. Let me tell you something. God has been so good to me. I'm better off right now than I was the day I turned my resignation in. I'm not telling you to quit your job. Don't go out here and say, hey, honey, the preacher said me quit my job. I said, hallelujah. No, no. What I'm saying is where God guides, God provides. I, I, he's proven it again and again and again and again. And if you'll live by faith, God will bless you for it. If you'll do what God said, God will take care of you for it. You can't walk by sight. You must walk by faith. Now, his eyes, his eyes got him in trouble. Let me say this. You should never ever base a decision based upon what you see. Now, Jacob is about to make a big decision. We're not going to run and shout tonight, but if you'll let me, I'll help you. He's about to make a great big decision in his life. And when he looks up, here comes Esau, 400 men. Boy, he's looking at that and he goes right back into his deal-making mode. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, you'd better not make decisions in life based upon what it is that your eyes see. Now, watch what he does when he sees Esau coming. Gets everything in line, gets everything ready, and he goes to bowing seven times. One, Esau, two, Esau, three, all the way seven times. Finally, he gets down at Esau's feet. He grabs Esau by the hand, head bowed, and what does he call him? Lord. Now, he just had his name changed by the God of heaven. And he's already calling some man Lord. Let me say this. That's what walking by sight will get you. Right. You'll be enslaved to some man somewhere if you walk by sight because you're dependent upon that person. And Jacob, he saw with his eyes and he's walking by sight and the first thing you know, he's bowed before Esau and calling him Lord. God, help us tonight. You better not make decisions. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God sent me all the way up here tonight for somebody. You better not make that decision based on what you see, based on what you can calculate, because God works beyond that. Now, watch this. I'm going somewhere. Hang with me. We see that he was influenced by his eyes. But then let me say this to you. He was intimidated by his enemy. His, here's Esau. It's his great enemy. 
I believe he was intimidated by Esau because of the ruin that was involved in Esau. Oh, let me say this. Esau is a great big picture of the flesh in the Old Testament. Everything that Esau did was fleshly. Everything that, I mean, he was sensual, married ungodly women. Uh, he was bigger. He was tougher. Uh, he looked meaner. And, uh, and in Jacob's heart, it seemed like there was no way to whip him. Uh, it seemed like it, no way to calculate how he could get over him what he'd done is he'd lost sight of who he was in Christ inside of me dwells two people they all say oh I know he's crazy <laughs> there is a fleshly side of me that God never did save it just wicked as it ever was I ain't gonna tell them what it'd do left unchecked do anything that's why I was doing anything inside of me is also a flesh, uh, spiritual man I, I talked to you a little bit about that last night Inside of me is a spiritual man. And whichever one I feed is the one that's going to dominate in my life. Esau's a picture of the flesh. He knew that Esau was bigger. He knew that Esau was tougher. So what did he do? He bowed down to him and called him Lord. Listen, let me tell you what I'm seeing in Baptist churches across this country. Instead of people standing up, feeding their spiritual man and being what God had had for them to be, they look at their flesh and they say, oh, my fleshly desires are so much. My flesh is so powerful. I never can get over it. I'll just bow to it. I'll do what it wants me. And then the flesh... Gets out of control. You know what you ought to do when you wake up in the morning? Y'all let, let the spiritual man say, listen to your flesh. Here's how it's going to be today. We're fixing to go pray, and if you don't like it, tough luck. And we're going to pray. I'm going to pray to you're uncomfortable and until your knees hurt, and then I'm going to pray a little bit more to show you who's boss. And then after a while at work, that, that co-worker that I work with that I should have been witnessing to but you've been telling me you're too embarrassed to do it hogwash on that let me tell you how this is going to work I'm going to march in there and I'm going to witness to that person and if you don't like it shut your eyes I, I don't expect to hear no more from you until it's supper time that's exactly right we ought to, that's the attitude our spiritual man ought to have with our fleshly man. Look here, guess who's in charge? Now, I don't, I, I don't propagate this, but I, I used to hear that Lester Roloff, when he was alive, occasionally would take an ice-cold shower just to prove to his flesh who was boss. <laughs> just show his flesh who was boss. But let me tell you what we do. Let me tell you what we do. We wake up in the morning, and what happens? The fleshly man goes, I'm hungry! Hungry, hungry, hungry. Feed me. Feed me, feed me, feed me. We go, yes, sir. What would you like today, flesh? Eggs, bacon, pancakes, lots of syrup. I know you can't stand it. Your sugar's high, but pour that whipped cream to it, too. And we're going to have coffee. Coffee by the gallons. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Well, we say, okay. Flesh says, driving down the highway, flesh, somebody cuts off. Flesh says, blow your heart, yell and scream, get up on their bumper, give them the finger. You tell them what for right here. I mean, you're mad at them. Tell them, let them know there's balls. Spiritual man goes, well, we had not to do that, but I guess that's what we'll do. And it's not that the spirit's not strong. It's that we're not feeding it. Right. Yes, sir. 
We're giving no attendance to it. We're just allowing the flesh. I see it all the time in church, in my church, in my church that I pastor. People that their flesh is just gone wild. It's out of control. They're, they're giving in to every whim of it. They're bound to it and calling it Lord. They, they can't help themselves. Oh. I don't even want to deal with that, Lord. Mm. Me and Brother Jonathan was talking about it earlier today. I'm guilty. I'm guilty right here. Come on, help me now. Put that slide that plate up there, and we'll eat till we're plumb full. <laughs> we're done. I'm just giving this as an example. Don't get nervous. Well, we could take a little more of that. Boy, Miss Leslie, she fixed straight supper tonight. And then she brought out nanner pudding. I could have eaten that whole bowl full. You know why? Because my flesh is going, eat that, eat that, eat that. I don't know how to eat. Listen, at my church, I got two or three folks that smoke. And I love them. God bless them. I love them. They're good, they're good church folks. But between Sunday school and preaching, you can watch them, buddy. They're out the back door and gone off the... Gone over that. Had, had you know why the flesh going? I need some nicotine. Give me nicotine. Give me nicotine. And you know what we do? We say, oh, the flesh goes, okay, okay. If you need nicotine, that's what we're going to get. And, 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 and we just cater to it. Boy, I'm preaching now. It's a good thing this is my last night. Amen. We'll just, we'll just cater to it, whatever. And the flesh, and we'll just bow down and say, yes, flesh. Boy, wouldn't it be good if we got up in the morning and when our feet hit the floor, we he said, listen here, flesh, you ain't running me today. You're not going to tell me what I'm doing today. There's a spiritual man in me. He's saved by the grace of God. Washed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to do what, I, what that spiritual man wants today and not what you say today. I think we could all agree we'd be better off. You know who you are in Christ. The Bible says in Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors through him that loves. Now, I know what a conqueror is, but the Bible said, no, you're more than that. What is more than a conqueror? It's what we are. Did you know that the Bible tells us in 1 John 5, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. Can I say to you, they'll tell you you can't overcome the world. Well, I hear things like this from little mealy mouth Baptists. Well, preacher, we live in this world, you know, and everything. And, and we've got it, you know, we've got to get in line. Listen, your faith should overcome the world. You have the ability to do it. It's right there in the Bible. Live by faith, not by sight, and overcome the world. Amen. I'm looking at a bunch of conquerors tonight. Conquerors. Oh, Brother John, I like to hear she going to no knocking doors on Saturday. There ought to be some folks come up to him after the service and say, Preacher, where are you going knocking doors at? Because we, we don't want to hit the same side of town. We'll go somewhere knocking doors too. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take... I didn't mean to get in all in all this. Uh, we're going to take the flag of Calvary. I done poked a hole in the ceiling. We're going to take... Here's how we spend most of our time. Oh, Lord, the devil didn't see us, did he? Oh, here comes the devil. Lord, help. 
You got your flag showing. Put that flag down. Lord have mercy. Y'all be quiet. Maybe he'll leave. You know what we ought to be saying? Here we come. We're bringing the fight to where you're at, pal. You know why? Because we don't have to run. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We're more than conquerors through Christ. You can't stop us. The Bible told us that hell would not prevail against this thing called the church. We don't have to bow our heads and hide. We don't have to run away. Let's carry the flag with honor and with pride. And take the battle of the devil when we go out them back doors and make all of hell nervous. It's time. It's time. Time, Amazing Grace Baptist Church. Time for y'all to quit hiding. Time for y'all to quit putting your head under something. It's time for us to take the fight to the devil. I, I ain't jumping on you. I think you're a great church. I, but I'm going to tell you, every church I preach in, including my own, could be better. I, and we ought, to take the, we ought to take the old blood-stained banner and go out into the community and not be afraid and not bow down. Can I get a witness tonight? Is our Savior worth it? Is the Lord worth it tonight? Let's take the battle to the devil and win. Hallelujah. And be the conquerors that God has called us to be. Oh, my soul. Let me lay this right here. I might need it again. Let me give you this right here. He was afraid of Esau. Why? Because of the ruin that was involved with Esau. He was afraid of Esau. Why? Because of the running that had been involved with Esau. Boy, i got to hurry. The running that had been involved. Every time somebody had said Esau's name for the last 30 some odd years, Jacob had went, huh, Esau, Esau. Somebody say Esau, Esau. He spent his whole life living like this. Here comes Esau. Somebody say, let's get old Jacob. Watch this. Esau, he goes, Esau, Esau. He saw running from him. As some of y'all got things you're running from. I see it in your eyes. Things you're running from. Past. Haunting you. I told you about that little... I'm getting into stuff I didn't mean to get into. I told, told you about that little dust up we had at the church in 2006. There was this one old gal that was involved in that. And she just done me wrong. That's the truth. I never have changed my mind about that. She done me wrong. I'm in Walmart some months after that happened pushing my little buggy. Start down the aisle. Oh, there she is. Oh. I suddenly feel led to go over here in the housewares. Lord knows I need housewares. Y'all been there too. Don't act so spiritual. Sneaking around the aisle, is she gone? <laughs> this aisle is safe. I seen her everywhere I went that day at Walmart. Finally, what, here's what I decided. She won't go in the magazine aisle. So I went way back yonder in the magazine aisle, got me a ma got me guns and ammo magazine. I read about every gun and every cartridge and 
I read that thing from front to back, back to front, peeked up over it two or three times. I thought, well, she's gone now, hallelujah. Laid that down, took my buggy. The Lord is my witness. Took my buggy and started around the corner and ran into her. <laughs> Run into her. Not just, oh, hey, are you, how are you? No, I ran into her. My flesh said, run over, run over, run over. <laughs> I said to her, if I didn't know no better, I'd thank me and you're supposed to talk. She'd say, yeah, I, I, I've been avoiding you too. <laughs> you know, everybody's got something that haunts them. Now, I don't think y'all live in your past, but I do think there's things we ought to deal with. Things that turn into bitterness and hatred. See, that's what was happening in my heart. It was turning into bitterness and hatred toward those people. The Lord laid it on me. He said, go, go and apologize to them. I said, I ain't doing anything to them. I said, I will not. He said, I didn't say you do anything to them. What I said is tell them that you, you have hated them. Come on now, boy, it's getting quiet. I know I'm reaching home. You're bitter at them. I said, Lord, but they've done me wrong. That don't matter. You're bitter. You're bitter. <laughs> I said, if I show up at their house, they'll shoot me. Lord said, write them a letter. I sat down, I sat down at my kitchen table late one night, tears running down both sides of my face and composed a letter. I rewrote it four different times saying more I'm sorry's every time. I sent them out later. They got it. It got word back to me they got it. I wished I could tell you that they come and hugged me and said, Preacher, we're sorry for what we've done to you. But you know what they did? They took that letter and they run all over town with it saying, See there? Told you he's wrong. <laughs> but you know what? I don't care. I got it out. And moved on. And didn't allow it to fester. And did oh, I'm preaching now didn't become bitter. And you ever met somebody that something in their life had just overtaken them and they were so bitter about it that they mentioned it every time you saw them? You know what bitterness is? It's drinking poison and hoping somebody else dies. Mm. Now Jacob, he'd spent all that time running now it was time he was going to have to deal with Esau. He made a mistake. He trusted his eyes. He made a mistake. He was intimidated by his enemy. He made a mistake. I believe that he was, an, he was a slave to the, what he had envisioned. He had a plan and he had his idea made up. And he'd become a slave to it. He wasn't malleable. He didn't allow the Lord to change it. He, you know, he just decided, well, this is how I've got it made up in my mind. And if you're not careful, you can become a slave to what it is you've got planned to do. But here's where I want to get to preach. Give me about ten more minutes. There was consequences to Jacob doing that way. The next chapter, the next chapter his daughter is raped. Our next chapter. And it makes his son so mad that they pull a trick on that village and kill the entire village over it. 
Never was the same. In the very next chapter after that, God calls Jacob back up to Bethel. And you know what Jacob had to do? He had to go to his sons, those, those 12 sons of Israel, and say to them, put away the strange gods and the idols that are among you, and let's go up and worship the Lord. You see, walking by side hadn't had a good influence on his family. It had caused them to do things they hadn't ought to do. It'll do the same thing in your life. If you walk fleshly by side, have bitterness in your heart, it'll have a negative effect on your family. I'll tell you the most horrible thing of it all about walking by sight. Chapter 37. Boy, Jacob loved Joseph. Who was it? You just talking about let me give you a little. Let's mean you have a conversation the rest of it. Let's talk about Joseph just a second. I'll give you something. I've been, I wanted to tell you this last night. I forgot it. People all the time wanting to put their hands on Joseph. Study this. Potiphar's wife had her hands on, her, on him. Jailers had their hands on him. The Ishmaelites had their hands on him. But when Jacob's dying over there in Genesis chapter number 49, you know what Jacob said? You know what Jacob said to Joseph? He said, you're like all over the, over the wall and all those things. But here's what he said. He said, the mighty hands of the God of Jacob were upon thee. There were a set of unseen hands that were on Joseph his entire life. While everybody else was laying their hands on Joseph, there was a set of unseen hands on Joseph that was taking care. Oh, let me get into that just a second. Come here, son. I ask you if you can swim. Here's the picture. You ain't a, you too big. Sit down. I need a little boy. Come here, boy. Here's the picture. Here's the picture of what God did for Joseph. He said, you're like, he said, the, the, the hands of the mighty God of Israel have been upon thee and strengthened thy bow. You know what the picture is? It's a picture of a little boy with a bow and hair and daddy coming up behind him. He's not strong enough to pull it back on him. I'm about to run and shout. He's not strong enough to pull it back on his own. But daddy puts his hands on the little boy's hands and he helps pull that bow back. That's what God did for Joseph now. That's what God, you said. that's what God did for Joseph. But now Jacob, Jacob, he loved Joseph. In chapter 37, I'm talking about walking by sight. Watch this. If Jacob had trusted God the way God rose Joseph up to trust him, when them boys come back and said, we think Jacob's dead, you know what Joseph would have said? Listen, I don't care what y'all think. I got a promise from God about that boy. And the promise is that you're going to bow before him. And so I don't care what y'all say. I got the promise of God and I got faith in my heart. But here's what happened. Read it. This is chapter number 37. They brought in a coat. Jacob took that coat when he looked at it. Interesting thing in Genesis 37. Them boys never said, they never said Joseph's dead. They never said we've found his body. They just brought a coat. But here's the effects of somebody that has walked all these years by sight. When he saw that coat, he said, surely, Joseph is dead. He completely forgot about what God had said, what had entered into his heart by faith. He's completely, his entire life, he's walked by sight. Now, let me show you something. He looks at that coat, he just believes what his eyes. He drops back and he weeps over Joseph. 
Now you'll have to excuse my imagination. But I wonder about Jacob's relationship with that coat. I wonder how many mornings, maybe put it someplace special. It's the last thing he had of his darling son. I wonder how many days, now he's walking by sight, he refuses to walk by faith. He picked that coat up and looked at it and thought, Joseph, what you could have been. I don't know who did this to you. I believe there's scripture evidence that later Jacob suspected that them boys had something to do with it. Because later, when they want to bring Benjamin down there to meet Joseph in Egypt, he won't let him go. Why? He tells them boys, let's go into you. Some mischief should befall him. He, I, think he, I think as he looked at that coat, he became bitter at his own children because they let his darling son die. I believe he became bitter at them. And bitterness sprang up in his heart. That's the end of somebody's life that walks by sight and not by faith. Let me show you something real quick about Jacob and give an altar call. Now borrow these two boys right here. Come here, boys. Come here, boys. Look here. Later in his life, Joseph, oh, I didn't realize you was in a I'll be easy on you. Later in his life, Joseph, he's alive. Y'all know the story. He calls for Jacob, his father. Joseph has two sons. The first son, his name is Manasseh. You know what the word Manasseh means? To forget. You know why he named him Manasseh? The Bible tells us. He said, because God hath made me to forget all my troubles. Joseph, man, walked by faith. And he said, because I walked by faith, my brothers may have done me wrong. I may have been in prison for a while. I may have been in a pit for a while. I may have been lied on in Potiphar's house. But because I walked by faith, God has made me to forget. In other words, Joseph said, I am not bitter. I am not holding it. I am not keeping it. God has made me to forget. Then he had another son. His name's Ephraim. Ephraim means double blessing. <laughs> Joseph said, boy, I got double blessed. That's, that's, that's how life by faith is. Living your life by faith. God said you don't have to remember anything bad that's happened to you. Live life by faith. God says you're double blessed. Watch this. It come time to bless these boys. Here's what they did. I'm going to make you walk because your brother, he's injured. Now you just turn around. Joseph lined them up just like this. He had it in his mind that Jacob would bless Manasseh, the eldest, and Ephraim, the youngest. Manasseh, God hath made me to forget. Amen. And the double blessing, Ephraim. Let me show you what happens. When it came time to bless them, Jacob goes. Now there's, there's a whole other message on, a, on, a, on the scriptural principle of the least serving the greater. There's all kinds of messages here. But here's what I want to draw out about it. Jacob looked at that boy that mean God has made me to forget. 
Jacob said, I can't forget. Still bit. My heart still broke. All them days holding that coat. All them days thinking my son was dead. You think I can forget that? You think I can just throw that down and go on with life? Is that what you think? Can't do it. Even after now he knows Joseph is alive and he's standing there with his grandsons. When he hears that name, God hath made him to forget. Here stands a man that's walked his entire life by sight. He can't forget anything. He's seen it. He remembers it. And as his hands goes out, Joseph says, no, Daddy, no. Jacob says, I know, son. I know. What I believe about Jacob, I believe he went down to his grave, his heart bitter and hard, over a life walked by side. I don't want to die bitter. Thank you, boys. You can sit down. Some of y'all, some of y'all been done wrong. Some of y'all been hurt. There ain't no hurt like church hurt. Your heart ripped out by family. By a loved one, by somebody at church. You've sat back there this week during meeting and you've not heard a word from God until tonight. God's speaking to you right now. Are you going to go on like that? Boy, tonight could be a life changer for you going to walk with him. I wonder why these girls come and get something ready to sing. I wonder if we hadn't ought to get in this altar and say, Lord, we believe you. Lord, we submit to you. God, we're running for some things and we don't want to run no more. We want to follow you, Lord. We want to charge this community with the cross of Calvary. But to do that, we're going to have to quit looking back. To do that, we're going to have to quit letting things fester in our heart. To do that, we're going to have to quit walking by sight. We're going to need your help, Lord, to walk by faith. Faith is so important to God that He said without it, it's impossible. Impossible to please me. I don't care how much you go to church. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care how much you pay in tithes. God said, if you'll not walk by faith, you'll not please me.